So the drama and the hype of both the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention are now over as we head toward the presidential elections in November, less than 100 days now. And one of the issues which both parties, as well as both presidential candidates, are seeking to address is the growing economic challenge before us in this nation. You've heard of it. I've heard of it as well. Stagnant wages for many, many households. The diminishing, some would say vanishing, middle class. Huge debt loads that college graduates have. These are real and they are pressing challenges. That said, here are a few things that may help put this into something of a different perspective. If you have money in the bank, if you have money in your wallet, if you have change in your pocket, then you are among the top 8% of the wealthiest people in the world when we look at worldwide perspectives. If you have food in your refrigerator, if you have clothes on your back, if you have a roof over your head and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the entire world's population. It does come down to seeing things in perspective, doesn't it? So did the rich man in Jesus' parable today, did he see things in perspective? Or do we, in our own lives today, do we see things in perspective? Or are we all about building bigger barns? We're going to consider that parable which Jesus told, called the parable of the rich fool in the gospel lesson for today, under the theme, building bigger barns. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So two weeks ago, we heard the story about Mary and Martha. You remember that? Going to the house of Mary and Martha, Jesus was there, and Jesus was asked to intervene in a family squabble between the two sisters. And now he's asked to do pretty much the same between two brothers, one of whom says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. As we talked about in the Bible study this morning, uh, dividing the inheritance can be a sticky wicket, and sometimes it does not end well. You may know what I'm talking about there. But as with Mary and Martha, Jesus refused to get drawn into this family dispute. He calls the disgruntled brother, everybody listening, and us today as well, to something even more important. Take care. Be on your guard, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus' words are just as radical and counterintuitive today as when he first spoke them, right? Truth is, our society, our culture, our world 
values, puts value and worth and importance on the abundance of possessions. That's how it works, doesn't it? The more you have, the more prosperous you appear to be. And we learn this at a very early age with our kids, for example, how important it is to have the right look at school with the right clothes and the right shoes and the right brands, right? And what about us as adults? Yeah, we long for that new car or the latest technology upgrade or the, the bigger house in the nicer neighborhood. But here's the thing. When is enough enough? When is enough enough? The desire for more and more what we often call greed, well, it's more than just wanting the finer things in life. Greed is often rooted in fear. Fear of not having enough. And that may actually be based in reality for some folks who have lived through a very difficult time in life and know what it's like to go hungry, who know what it's like not to have a place to live. That changes a person, changes your outlook. But that fear may also be more abstract. It may not be rooted in reality at all, but it may be rooted in slick marketing and ad campaigns. So Jesus tells us that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, but the world does. So who are we going to listen to? When is enough enough? The man in Jesus' parable, like we talked about in the children's message for today, he was a farmer. He was a successful business owner. He was trying to make a good thing better and expand his holdings. And that is not a bad thing in and of itself at all. His fields produce a bumper crop. He's got a big harvest. And his existing barns and granaries for storing all the crops were not adequate. That's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. And so he proposed to tear down and build bigger and better barns. But the question to be asked here is, to what end? What's the larger goal? And what's the greater purpose of building bigger barns? Well, we find out what that greater goal and that uh, larger purpose is, as the man maps all of this out in his head and uh, he strategizes. I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. For this individual, at least, it was about a life of ease and comfort. Now, the man in the parable was doing what any successful and prudent business person would be doing. He was planning for his future. But that's exactly the problem right there because we can't really secure our future 
through material things. We try to do the same, right? We, we watch our investments, we uh, look for ways to secure our future, but can you really secure your future through material things? Now, it goes without saying that we have to live in this world and you need money to meet the expenses of living. Of course, we all understand that. But within us lurks the tendency to want more because whatever we have isn't enough. It's never enough. Did you hear what that Old Testament reading from the book of Ecclesiastes had to say? The preacher who's actually King Solomon himself. He says, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? All his days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Wow, so much truth there, right? In our attempt to get ahead in life, we leave the house earlier and we get home later. We work longer hours, we travel more, we want nice things, but you know what? We really can't often enjoy those nice things because we're never home. We're not home. We get stressed out. And instead of our owning those things, they come to own us. And so sometimes without even realizing it, we are building bigger barns in our own lives today. And the words of that preacher in Ecclesiastes, they ring true. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. So listening uh, to me here this morning, you might say, well, okay, Pastor Mian, then what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to quit our jobs and just sit back and do nothing till Jesus comes again? Because everything is vanity and a striving after wind, right? The rich man in the parable is called a fool, not because he was rich, but because he was not rich toward God. It was all about him. And that's where greed can take us, leaving us with a whole lot of stuff on the outside, but empty on the inside. And when we die, and we all will, we gotta leave it all behind, right? Because you really can't take it with you. You have yet to see a hearse pull on a U-Haul. It doesn't work that way. So over against all of this, Paul the Apostle counsels us in the epistle lesson for today. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
truth is we have already been raised with Christ. And he has redeemed us. He has purchased us, not with gold or silver or other precious commodities that are traded on the market and whose value fluctuates up and down according to the ups and downs of the stock market. No, Jesus has redeemed us and he's purchased us with something far more valuable than gold or silver. It's with his holy, precious blood, his innocent suffering and death, something whose value never diminishes or decreases at all. So our worth in God's eyes doesn't depend on the size of our bank account or our investment portfolio or how big our barns may be. Our worth depends on God's redeeming love for us. That's the true treasure. That's what abides unto eternity. So that when the barn rots and falls down, when the investments tank and plummet, when the bank account shrivels up, then what? Jesus tells us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because we've been raised with Christ through the redeeming blood of Christ, the challenge before us each day is to seek those things which are above, putting to death in us whatever is earthly. And Paul enumerates these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Something else can dethrone God and take his place in our lives. So this side of heaven, our work in following Jesus, in becoming more like him, what we call sanctification, that is never finished. It's an ongoing process, and it happens anew each day as we go back to what God first did for us, beginning in holy baptism, where our old sinful self was stripped away, and we were given a new self, a new identity. A new person was created who asks not what I want, but what God wants, seeking God's will. The old sinful self tells us, you've ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But the new self, reborn in Jesus, asks, how can I use the gifts God has placed in my hands to glorify God? to be a blessing to others. How can I serve the Lord today? How can his love 
be shown to others through me. And that is where we begin to join Jesus on his mission. So as we leave the house of God today, we do so trusting that in Jesus, our value does not come from building bigger barns. Our value lies in God's love for us, who sent his only son for us, and who is more than able to meet our needs. Amen.